all kinds of symbology. What is at stake? It is a big idea. A new world order where diverse nations are drawn together in common cause to achieve the universal aspirations of mankind. My question to you is, in any of your government jobs, have you ever been briefed on the subject of UFOs? And if you have, when was it? What were you told? Well, if I had been briefed on that, I'm sure it was probably classified and I couldn't talk about it. I got out in 1989, we had cataloged 57 different species. We walked over to one side of the lab and he said, by the way, we've discovered a base. The very word secrecy is repugnant in a free and open society. And we are, as a people, inherently and historically opposed to secret societies, to secret oaths, and to secret proceedings. Greetings and salutations, my fellow Sky Watchers from all corners of the globe. We're back live once again right here on this beautiful May 28th, 2014 on the Dark Matter Radio Network and on PSN Radio. I am one of your dual hosts on the show, Angel, and with me as always is Alan. Alan, say hi to the crowd. Hi, crowd. (laughs) There you go. That was pretty good. Not too bad this week, huh? Not too bad at all. Not too bad at all. Not too bad. If, if that one sounds a little uh, muffled, there, it's it's one of those weeks, guys. So we got to put up with uh, a little bad sound. But uh, welcome everybody to the show. We're going to have a really awesome show tonight. We have uh, an author who I haven't interviewed in about a couple years now, Alan. Uh, th- his name is Dan Martin, and uh, really cool guy. I don't know if you ever uh, read any of his stuff. Are you familiar at all with Dan Martin? I'm familiar with him. I haven't met him and spoke to him personally, but. I do have a little bit of a prepper in me, and that's why I sound so bad. I'm in a remote location off the grid hiding out. Yes. He is ready for the global disaster to happen, and that's exactly what Dan Martin wrote about in his book, uh, How to Survive a Global Crisis, the Apocalypse. Of course, the book came out in 2012, so you know the big deal in 2012 was you know the end of the world, 2012, the Mayans, all that stuff, which nothing happened. I'm, yeah, I saw that movie. I'm bitterly disappointed still by that because I was expecting something to happen. I wanted to be like uh, Woody Harrelson in uh, the movie 2012, up in the mountain broadcasting one final time. Yeah, I could see you doing that. But, you know, I wouldn't be here tonight if that would have been the case. So wouldn't have been a good turnout after all. So I'm glad it didn't happen. But, you know, there might be one day a global disaster, some kind of catastrophe that wipes out part of the population. And are you ready for that? I know I'm not. Alan, are you ready well, for the, Well, I don't know, you know, if it's going to be a global disaster or the powers that be in secret doing the um, global disaster to thin out the population. Well, that's a popular topic now, isn't it? Huh? Population oh. control. Oh, sure, chemtrails exist, maybe they do, maybe they don't. There's no such thing as Agenda 21 either. None. You know, it's funny because somebody posted a video um, and some pictures online a few weeks ago of chemtrails in the water. Have you seen those, like, ocean chemtrails? And I, and I had to call shenanigans on it because I have no idea if that's even possible. I'm thinking it's maybe the BP spill leftovers. Well, it, was, it wasn't, like, black chemtrails. It, was, it, it didn't look like oil. Well, you know, I, I don't know. you got to send me the link uh, so I can take a look, and maybe you should put it up on the website, so on the Facebook page, so everybody can see it. 
I'm going to find that in a little bit, and I'll put it up there. By the way, the page he's talking about is facebook.com forward slash skywatchersradio. Please, everybody, go over there and like that page. It's really important. We want to get those numbers up. So once again, facebook.com forward slash Skywatchers Radio. And all the topics and news items that we talk about on this show tonight and on every week uh, are going to be posted on there pre this show so you can read along with us and follow along into every single one of the news items that we're going to go on. Now, of course, like I said, Dan Martin is going to be with us in about 25 minutes. But before we get to Dan, uh, we have some news clips that we wanted to get to. In fact, they also have a an actual audio clip of Dan Aykroyd talking about UFOs, which is really cool, and we're going to play that in a little bit. But I wanted to actually open up with a story that came out a week ago, and we didn't get to cover it. And it was posted on ArtBell.com, so shout out to the great Art Bell for posting this on his website. Uh, the one-way trip to Mars has been trimmed down to about 705 lucky contestants. Well, here's the question with that, though. How are they going to load 705 on a ship to do this? This is going to be a mighty big ship. I, I, I don't know what they're building, and God only knows how big of a ship... How much, how much energy are you going to need to get off the ground having that many people on it, not to mention their supplies. I have no idea. Now, but the article goes on to say here, it says, as ambitious uh, of a crowd-funded project as the Mars One uh, narrowed down the candidates uh, for the first Mars colonization to just 705 people, RT asked two possible trailblazers, uh, one from Quebec and one from Moscow, why they're so determined to take a one-way space ticket trip to Mars. This week, the International Not-for-Profit Foundation seeking to establish a permanent human settlement on the Red Planet, Mars One, as they're calling it, announced that only 705 of more than 200,000 applicants for the one-way flight to Mars have been left after medical and other tests. So that would yeah, definitely I'm just roll wondering us out. What kind of psych, I'm just wondering what kind of uh, psych profile tests they used and who passed it and who failed it. Well, check this out, and it continues on here, and I'm going to quote here. Uh, We're incredibly excited to uh, start the next phase of round two, where we begin to better understand our candidates who aspire to take such a daring trip. They will have to uh, show their knowledge, intelligence, and adaptability, and personality. Mars One Chief Medical Officer, the doc, uh, Norbert uh, Kraft, uh, said in a statement oh, on the it's, project's it's website. Not, it's not Bones? It's not McCoy? Well, we can call him Bones. Bones Craft. That'll work. Okay. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Now, off the short list, 418 of them were men, and 287 were women, for, uh, women from all over the world. Only six teams of four will be eventually selected according to the project plan. So it's not going to be all 700 people. Like, you know, it's going to be a lot So, So I'm, I'm, I'm guessing there's going to be six ships that are going to launch either in succession or um, they're going to be stacked one on top of the other? I, well, that'd be a fun way to go up there. <laughs> I didn't mean stacked <laughs> on top of each other that way. Well, you know, that's a long trip. You get kind of bored on those kind of trips there, Alan. But, uh, look, off the short list, like I said, 418 being men, that's kind of, uh, you know, that's interesting. That's a, a lot of men for, you know, per women ratio. That's like almost double the women ratio. That's That can't be good for the women. Or can well, it? well y- you know, I, I just don't know, you know. <laughs> It, I, I hear where you're going with that, but what I just yeah. read that might actually 
coincide with this is, is did you hear about the guys in Philadelphia, not Philadelphia, but in Pennsylvania, who are experimenting with suspended animation? No, I have not. Yeah, really, really popular thing. Um, just hit the news the other day that um, they are experimenting with uh, suspended animation to save people that are terminally ill, you know, for at least a longer period of time before they expire. What they're doing is they're actually emptying the body of all blood and mm-hmm. replacing it with oxygenated saline, which is which will actually cool down the body and not require as much nutrients as well as um, circulation. Um, And to re-thaw them out, they replace you back with your blood. Yeah, but how guaranteed is that you're actually going to wake up and come back to life? You know, what part of experimentation are you not uh, hearing me? Exactly. You know? yeah, <laughs> I'm like, I don't know about that one. You know, if you're going to die anyway, I'm sure it's okay to make a little experiment or two. That's true. That's true. I mean, look, uh, look at all the people that have frozen themselves, thinking they're going to come back after they were, were frozen. Uh, there's no coming well, back. Well, they just had some. They just had some guy that was frozen in uh, Greenland uh, under the ice for 80 minutes. And no permanent damage. Yeah, but that's 80 minutes, and then they brought him back, right? Well, yeah, they brought him back, so obviously they found out there's no damage. Right, um, but, but imagine a person who's frozen for, like, decades, you know, because the whole purpose of being frozen is, like, you know, you're freezing yourself until they find a cure and they can bring you back. Uh, you know, if you're well, frozen, like, say, for 100 years, and they finally find the cure, what are the odds they're actually going to be able to saw you out and, and bring you back? Really? It depends how much they're circulating the saline through your body. Obviously, saline will obviously expire. You know, you'll lose all your nutrients after a while because, you know, you're using the same saline. As long as you're getting, I would think, I'm not a doctor. I'm an amateur gynecologist, but I'm not a doctor. And I'm thinking if you keep on providing fresh saline into the system or at least reinvigorating with nutrients the saline that the body could absorb there should be some type of a scalable extension of your life that's interesting I'm going to read up read up on this you know suspended animation yeah, I saw, is going to have to be used actually, I, I saw the article and they actually had a picture of Sigourney Weaver in a, in a cocoon I was nice. hoping that there was going to be an alien popping out, but, yeah, that really didn't happen. Oh, that would be cool. You know, it, that's, you know, suspended animation is going to have to be done for space travel in the future. I mean, that's kind of like a, a given. And you see that in sci-fi movies, and that's like the one thing they always get right, because there's no way you can tell me that people are going to be able to travel between stars and, and be awake the entire time. And, I mean, it's well, it depends long, how you're traveling. trip. Well, if you're on the Starship Enterprise, then it's pretty cool. You want to stay awake the entire time. But if you're on a little rocket ship and there's nothing to do but just sit there, put me in suspended animation, baby. Even in light speed, you know, it's, you know, you're, you know, how, you know, it's what, four light years to the nearest star? Right. Alpha Centauri, I think. Right. And we're nowhere near the ability to provide light speed. At least nothing that we know about. No, not at all. It's kind of depressing, isn't it? I know. Science fiction is just so much better than reality. 
Yeah, no kidding. That's probably one of the reasons why I will never really, really honestly, by all you know accounts, make contact with races from another galaxy somewhere like years away just because of the distance. I think if there's any aliens that are coming to this planet, they're local to our galaxy and local to our star system. That's just well, they did just. That reminds me, they did just find a very interesting image on uh, the Mars rover again, where there was oh, I saw that, yeah. solid flying in the air. Yeah, I saw that, I saw that. In fact, uh, that's uh, probably something we should uh, cover on the website. I think it's on, I think I posted that on the, on the Facebook site. I didn't, like I didn't see it on the Facebook, but uh, oh, no, I found you know, that interesting. It's like, I, I, it showed up on both cameras yeah. of, uh, uh, of the Mars rover, and uh, it was there, and then it was gone, and you, I call... I call um, Bat Squatch if anybody says, "Oh, that's just pixelation." <laughs> well, no, you know, I, I, my bad. I actually made a mistake. The one that I posted was the Iceberg Mirage. I posted that earlier. Did you check that one out? The uh, the video for that Iceberg Mirage. No, no, no. I didn't actually. Hang on. Here, well, it's on the uh, Facebook page, uh, and I'm going to read the article. It, it, there is a video, so you can actually see this thing. Now, it says here it's a UFO video that shows an object hovering over an iceberg. And, uh, you know, some people are saying it could be a mirage, but I don't know, man. It says a UFO appears to be hovering over what uh, looks like an iceberg in the eastern Canada. Uh, in the video uh, that was recently uploaded to the Internet, and uh, this is uh, from the 27th, so it's from yesterday. Uh, the individual okay. uh, who shot the video describes it, in, and I'm going to quote here. He says, so I really don't know what to say about this. While driving around uh, to salvage, uh, New- while driving around salvage uh, Newfoundland, um, and labor looking at all the icebergs, I noticed what appeared to be a chunk of ice just barely attached to an iceberg. Uh, hoping to catch it, I, it collapsed. I took out the camera and zoomed in, and what can you see? It's a white object not attached to the iceberg, but rather spinning around and changing shapes. I'm and thinking that is some amazing UFO camouflage. Could be. Now, some have suggested that the mysterious UFO is just an upper portion of the iceberg and that the witnesses' uh, view of the iceberg uh, in mid-section is simply obstructed, according to the witnesses. However, uh, the weather was perfectly clear, and you can see it in the video on that day, eliminating the possibility of fog or you know or anything that was simply covering part of the iceberg. But one YouTube commenter believes something extraterrestrial was obstructing the witnesses' view. User, and I'm going to say his name here, so shout-outs to him. E, uh, Ethan R432 suggested it's a UFO uh, with a cloaking device on it. It's blocking the middle part of the iceberg. Dun-dun-dun. Well, it, you know, I, I, I might lean towards the mirage thing, but, you know, you get mirages with sand dunes uh, and heat, but you're dealing with cold. I don't think you get that kind of shimmering effect uh, with cold. Do you? Um, you could actually. I think you. I think it's a possibility. You could. Um, I don't know. Someone's got to call in, and someone's got to call in and tell us, guys. Call in, Skype us in. Uh, Let us know. Tell us what you think. Yeah, yeah. This one's an interesting one. Uh, and it goes on to say here, it says, focusing on the hovering object, uh, the Daily Mirror points out that some believe it to be an alien spacecraft, while others believe it uh, to be a flag. Uh, I don't know. How, I don't see a flag on there. The object shape-shifting would make sense if it's simply a flag, of course, because it will be waving around. But this identification would not explain the witness's assertion uh, that the object uh, that 
the object is spinning, which is what the uh, witness is saying, and uh, the witness consistently or confidently uh, states, uh, I can assure you that it's not a flag that iceberg was possibly five or six stories tall, and they tend to collapse, break, and uh, roll over all the time. Not something that people do around here. One possible and likely explanation for the strange hovering UFO is the type of mirage known as a Feta Moranga. Try saying that three times real quick. Uh, the National uh, yeah, okay. The National Snow and Ice Data Center explains that this type of superior mirage appears, and I quote here, because the weather conditions known as temperature inversion, where cold air lies close to the ground with warmer air above it, since cold air is denser than warm air, it blends light towards the eyes of someone standing on the ground, changing how a distant object appears. Superior mirages can produce two different type of mirages or images. Distant objects can appear to float high above their actual positions for example a boat can look like it's floating in the sky or an object uh, can, below of it can uh, actually can the, an object below of the horizon can become visible uh, as well um so and there's actually a picture here kind of proving that and you can see the mirages in the background and sure enough it looks like a bunch of icebergs floating in the sky so okay I th- um i think the, yeah i call yachts yeah, they they kind of approve of this one. Uh, some who have uh, watched the UFO video are more interested in the identified identified black object or identified object that appears to be right of the iceberg at the uh, 45 second mark and splashes into the water. Uh, but this object, uh, the object's appearance and behavior do not suggest anything to indicate that it's anything out of the ordinary. Uh, it could be anything like a bird diving into the water or something like that. Uh, well, it, well, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Um, it doesn't suggest that it's anything, but it might be a bird. But we have no reference of distance. No. So something that, yeah, I, I, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I'm with them on the Mirage thing, because I really don't see this as a flag. I mean, it's a, who would go up there to an iceberg and, and plant a flag? I mean, do we have an Iceman, Christopher Columbus, trying to settle land on icebergs now? Like, what's going I'm on? I'm thinking the aliens came out of their version of a lunar lander and planted this na- this in the name of Giggliwap. I'm going to go with that. That's a good enough answer for me. We're moving on to the next story. And uh, this one is involving comedy legend Dan Aykroyd. Oh, yeah. That's right. Yeah, that's the man right there. I love Dan Aykroyd. Please, make Ghostbusters 3 already. Come on, Dan. You're all dying. Well, at least one of them. Well, 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 Bill Murray died, unfortunately, in uh, that... uh, Zombieland. That Zombieland. Yeah, that was it. I'm looking at the photo of him. I'm looking at the photo of him. I want to know who the girl next to him is. Oh, she's hot, though. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. Brunette. Mm. Anyway, Dan Aykroyd has never been shy about his belief in extraterrestrials that are in in the belief that they're visiting the Earth in UFOs of all things. Ironic, isn't it? Uh, The Hollywood actor has made a public comment related to UFOs on several occasions, and he's appeared in about let me see. He appeared in the 2005 documentary titled "The Dan Aykroyd Unplugged on UFOs." Uh, on Thursday, May 22nd, StarPulse.com published an article containing a video interview with Aykroyd at the Crystal Head Vodka, um, and this is a convention that he that he I guess uh, appeared into uh, do signings for his Crystal Head Vodka that he has out, which I I want to get one of those things. They're so cool. I, I, uh, I'm assuming he's going to claim it has something to do with the Crystal Skull instead of Crystal Head. 
Uh, maybe. Although some uh, may remember this interview from uh, when it was uh, published back in 2011. It contains interesting statements made by Aykroyd that are worth reiterating. And uh, with that said, I think we uh, should play Mr. Dan Aykroyd and uh, and kind of hear you know what he has to say. You know, look, if, if there's anybody you ever wanted, like just hear talk on the subject, it's kind of like Dan Aykroyd, right? I mean, he's like one of the coolest right. actors around ever. I mean, Dan Aykroyd, hey, that reminds guys. That reminds me, who's the guest that we had that lives up the way from him, like literally down the street? Hmm. Have no I idea. Remember I'm having a that right now. I remember having that conversation with one of our guests who lives in Canada and literally is like down the street from him. I think it was Justin Brown. Ah, okay. I was just yes. wondering. Justin Brown. We gotta call him to, we gotta call him to get Dan on the phone here, uh, you know. Or if anybody else knows how to get Dan Aykroyd on the phone, by all means, please call us, and obviously our phone number is... 786-245-8127. You can also find us on Skype by looking up PSN Radio. Now, we are going to uh, play this uh, quick audio clip, and when we come back from it, uh, we're going to sign off for commercial break and then go to commercial and come back with our guest, Dan Martin. Uh, But check this out. This is a really cool audio clip of Dan Aykroyd talking about aliens. Yes. About UFOs, correct? Yes. So, um, can you tell me a little bit about it? Uh, well, it's called Unplugged on UFOs. You can get it uh, at Amazon.com, but I refer your viewers right now to the website, MUFON.com, World Wide Web, M-U-F-O-N, Mutual UFO Network. And also, that's uh, World Wide Web, MUFON.com, for where everything that's going on in the uh, area right now of... Uh, that study, and also StantonFriedman.com, S-T-A-N-T-O-N-F-R-I-E-D-M-A-N. The book is called Captured. It's the story of Barney and Betty Hill. They were residents of New England who were abducted in 1963, taken up into a ship, operated upon, and released. And um, their story is as credible as any I've ever read. And I just don't see how they would make up that kind of a story, why they would want to, you know, put themselves through all that trouble. And it's a gripping, fascinating, thrilling, thrilling read. It's called Captured, StantonFriedman.com. Right, and uh, any, new, uh, any new news in that? I'm sorry? Any new news in that front at all? Uh, well, the Tinley Park, Illinois sightings are quite striking. Uh, there's a gentleman named Sam, Mar- Sam Maranto, M-A-R-A-N-T-O. You can get it on the website. So this is where the big black triangles, they park over people's barbecues for about, you know, 10 minutes and they let them take pictures and then they move on very slowly across the suburb. Thousands of people saw these in Tinley Park, Illinois over the last uh, two years, starting in 05 to 07. So that is, you know, when you get that many people seeing the same thing, and it's not Venus, it's not a helicopter, it's not a plane, it's not the crescent moon, it's not a meteoric bolide, what is it? Well, it's unknown. Until they come and shake my hand, I really can't tell you. But it's entertaining, at the very least. Hello, sir. Good to see you, sir. Welcome. You have a... High altitude photos of UFOs. I don't have a photo. No, I had a sighting, but I, I didn't didn't take, didn't take any pictures of it. No. Oh, okay. So how, how did you get how high altitude sighting? I was confused. I was just told this a little while ago. Well, I was uh, on the ground and I saw, and the objects were at 100,000 feet, and the Concorde makes the right turn in the vineyard at 50,000 feet, approximately 47,000 feet. So I just gauged the distance: 47, 100, speed 20,000 miles an hour. Two of them like this, flying along, wing to wing. And they were going faster than, than any. Uh, also, De Brewer, General De Brewer, Belgian General, F-15 gun camera, 
uh, footage. You can look at that on the new fun site. Uh, look up De Brewer, B R O U E R. He was in an F 15. He was going 1,500 miles an hour. The thing was going 5,000. You know, I'm not making this up. Thank you. So, where was your, your sighting? What state was Martha's Vineyard. Oh, that was a Martha's Yeah, with three other people. There you go. That's Dan Ackroyd talking about his UFO experience. Uh, and he claims he saw a couple UFOs traveling about 20,000 miles an hour. I don't know how you could kind of like tell how fast they're going. Uh, you could just say, oh, they're going really, really fast. Uh, I don't have a clue how fast they're going. I mean, Alan, how would he be able to tell 20,000 miles? And he said it was like about 100,000 feet away from him. I mean, he's very like precise with. You know, the only the thing distance. I can think of is, is, you know, like other celebrities, some celebrities have a pilot's license and. Sometimes when you're in the air, you could actually measure and clock these things. I don't know, man. The only I, thing from the naked I eye. All I can think of. Yeah, I don't know about that. Kind of calling bad squatch on that one, uh, Mr. Ackroyd. Still love you though. You're a great guy, great entertainer, and very funny dude. All right. That's all I got for that. Uh, next, see next story, and uh, this is uh, coming right out of ArtBell.com. This is uh, dealing with. Yay, Art Bell! Thank you for him. Once again, yes. Stephen Greer announced a possible leak of sensitive documents, uh, and critics are skeptical of these documents. Now, Dr. Stephen Greer announced yesterday, uh, actually this is a couple of days ago, he announced that uh, he received photos of alleged classified government documents related to Project Aquarius, a uh, purported operation involving the retrieval of crash extraterrestrial uh, spacecrafts and occupants. Uh, Greer stated that the photos were received on May 21st. He tweeted yesterday or a couple of days ago uh, that they were uh, received in the mail, like old school mail, like really creepy and shady character with well, glasses. Well, you know, since the NSA and well, since NSA and Google tracks everything, right? Well, no, you know, you know. I, I can just—I can imagine how he got this. It wasn't even like the mailman; it was some dude in a trench coat with glasses and a hat, walked to his mailbox, really, you know, all creepy like, dropped it right well, in there. Well, I gotta admit, Greer's—I mean, he, I don't know about your opinion, but usually Greer's dead on with some of the stuff that he, with a good portion of the stuff that he become, which comes to him. Well, you know, he does his out, research, he does his due diligence before, you know, throwing this, it out there. This is where it kind of jumps the shark, and we're going to go to break in a minute here, so let me get through this real quick. Greer reported the photos were sent to him again by a person with uh, with contacts in which he describes as covert aerospace and military project related to UFOs. The person is, uh, he says, is a credible and reliable source. Photos of the documents posted on Greer, by Greer suggested they involved briefings of the Majestic 12, an alleged deeply classified group of elite intelligent off officials dubbed MJ-12. Stories of the unconfirmed group and its purported activities have long circulated throughout the UFO community. The tales were fueled by documents published long ago and obtained under questionable circumstances. Researchers such as Dr. Michael Heiser, who I really respect, he's a a brilliant, brilliant scientist, are highly skeptical of stories involving the MJ-12 documents. Heiser uh, facilitated, uh, and he's a, he facilitated linguistic forensic testing of some of the original alleged MJ-12 documents and found it to be highly likely to have been hoaxed. And in the Mirage Man movie talks about the MJ-12 documents as a hoax. Uh, so that's where it kind of jumps the shark. If, uh, you know, if that's a hoax, and Dr. Greer is saying this is credible stuff, but it's dealing with something that's a hoax. I don't Maybe somebody's just pulling his leg, or maybe he's pulling everybody's leg. I have no idea. 
Um, but uh, you know, when you when you say jumping the shark, that reminds me. I just saw on the internet um, movie posters that have that where they've added in Godzilla, uh-huh. and um, the best two that I saw was Noah with Godzilla holding the ark, and Sharknado or Godzilla versus Sharknado. I'd like to see that. That'd be interesting. That's kind of like the sad Batman memes that were circulating for a while. Oh that my God, Batfleck! Yes, that got so popular. Guys, we got to go on commercial right now. We got Dan Martin waiting in the wings. He's going to be with us here. We're going to talk about how to survive the apocalypse, a global disaster. What can you do to get ready for it? I don't know if you can do anything. So stick around. Don't well, be a sad Batman. Yeah, it all depends on what kind of disaster, and we're going to discuss those topics. Yeah, there you go. Don't be a bad, sad Batman. Survive it. I'm Batman. <laughs> bad, sad. Batman. The bad, best line bad. ever. Best line ever. I'm Batman. Driving has a rhythm all its own. Don't wreck it with a text. Before you get behind the wheel, silence your phone. Or better yet, designate a texter. For more text-free driving tips, visit StopTextStopRex.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. Green light. Hey, girl. School zone. I'm getting hungry. Car changing lanes. You want to meet me for pizza? Stop sign. Intersection clear. Yeah, street. Pizza sounds good. Ball in street? Girl in street! (gasps) It's hard to concentrate on two things at once, like texting and driving. Stop the text. Stop the wrecks. How will you stop texting and driving? Tell us at stoptextstoprex.org. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Put a team of professional consultants behind your home or business computer with key information solutions. Providing solutions to your internet and computing needs while keeping you on the cutting edge of technology. Preventative maintenance and networking support. Hardware and custom built computers. Let key information solutions be your personal tech staff for your home or office with affordable hourly, monthly, or annual rates to fit anyone's budget. Call Key Information Solutions now. 954-973-3374 That's 954-973-3374 Or visit keyinformation.com Join the club that gives you stuff. Hey, thanks! Radio Loyalty. Here's how it works. Just click on the Radio Loyalty banner right now and sign up. Then, you keep on listening like you already do. But now, you earn points. Those points add up, and you can trade them in for stuff in the Radio Loyalty store. Earn more points by sharing your station with friends on Facebook and Twitter, answering surveys, and by using the apps in the New Players App Store. Pretty simple, right? Radio Loyalty. Click that banner to join now. Mental disorders are common in the United States and internationally. 
Valley. An estimate 26.2% of Americans ages 18 and older suffer from some sort of mental illness. Now this figure translates to 57.7 million people who suffer from some sort of mental breakdown. If you find yourself laying in bed on a Sunday night hearing voices while you're trying to sleep, well it might not be that demonic being from another dimension trying to kill you where you sleep. It might just be your mental illness starting to kick in. So if you're out of meds for the night, then I have just the thing. Come listen to my show, The Jackal's Head. You can check out our Listen Live page only on www.psn-radio.com. See you there. This ad has been paid for by The Jackal's Head and the War on Terror. War. It's fantastic. We're rewarding you for something you already do. Listening to us. It's radio loyalty, and it's an easy way for you to get free stuff. All you do is sign up. Go ahead and click the banner now. You'll earn points as you listen. Points you can trade in for great products and services in the radio loyalty store. You can earn even more points when you share your favorite station with friends on Facebook and Twitter. Radio loyalty. It's free to sign up. So click the banner to join now. You're listening to the Dark Matter Radio Network. All right, everybody, we're back on Skywatchers Radio. Once again, the call-in number is 786-245-8127. Open lines for the next hour and a half with our guest, Dan Martin, who's joining us, the author of An Apocalypse, How to Survive a Global Disaster. Dan, how the heck are you, my friend? It's been a while since I, since I spoke to you. I interviewed you back when we were all terrified that 2012 was going to kill us all. Angel, it's and, been almost two years. Can you, can you believe, believe that? And we're still here. We're alive. Uh, we we I, made I'm, it. I'm gonna no. I don't. I don't think so. I think it's it's just begun. Actually, um, <laughs> we, we can go over that in a minute. But uh, I think that 2012 was the start. Maybe even a little bit before. I mean, even towards you know mid to late 2011, things kind of started heating up, and um, we're definitely seeing some crazy stuff going on around the world. But I'm so yeah, no excited kidding. to be on the show tonight, so uh, I really appreciate you having me on again. It's such a, a pleasure to have you back on here, my friend. It's been just way too long since we since we spoke. And uh, again, the book uh, came out a couple of years ago. Uh, it's actually called Apocalypse, How to Survive a Global Crisis. I had to add a disaster in there. It just sounds disaster. You know, it sounds like really evil. Uh, I'll, I'll make sure uh, to change the title next time we get change it. Change it to disaster. I love that word. You know, but Global Crisis, it, it was a really cool book. I mean, you sent it to me a while back and I, I went through it like two or three times and I still have it. It's in my book collection, which is expanding and growing like crazy. And uh, it really is a cool book. You know, before we uh, we get to anything uh, randomly, let's just talk about the book for a second. And, and yes, 2012 came and went. Nothing happened. We're all still alive. But like you said, something could still be happening. We never really know. So, uh, you know, tell us a little bit about the book. What got you into writing this book? Why were you interested in writing about an apocalypse and how to survive it? You know, tell, tell the audience. Remember, this is a different crowd from inside the jackal's head. This is the Dark Matter Radio Network crowd. So some of these awesome. folks have not heard you and heard awesome. about the book. Awesome, yeah. Well, some of these folks don't want to hear me either. <laughs> Nobody but, wants to know that the world could be coming to an end, Dan. That's no just not news people want. on around the world. Ignorance is bliss. We like to have our yes. hands over our eyes and over our ears. And, uh, 
the book is basically an accumulation of my life's work, uh, personal experiences, relief efforts, education, training. I have 62,000 hours of topic-related uh, on-site experience uh, in this type of field, not to mention you know, living eight years off the grid, six of which you know, we had zero contact with. And, you know, not even one other human being did we see or, or communicate with the entire time. No phone lines, no water lines, no septic lines, no uh, TV service, no cell service, no emergency services. There wasn't even a road going to the property. So wow. you, you, you combine that with now yep. we're doing relief work. You know, we've been we've been doing stuff in Haiti and Colombia, um, Peru, South America, Mexico, of course, um, and uh, for all their you know respective catastrophes. Um, and this all this uh, experience and training comes in and is conveyed in the book, which is basically you know my eyewitness account of all these nightmarishly uh, uh, chaotic uh, instances before, during, and, you know, weeks, months, years after uh, the aftermath. And I basically describe it step by step of what I've observed and um, people I've worked with, um, their testimony, and, you know, how we were self-sufficient, how we provided for ourselves 100%. And if anything were to happen, or I should say when, Something happens to you know the listeners and every everybody else because catastrophes happen around us all the time. It doesn't have Correct. to be some global crisis, and that's not what the book is about. It, it's about surviving any kind of natural or man-made catastrophe, like you said. Um, you know, be well, it, uh, it, does, it does say how to survive a global crisis, though, Dan. That's the title. Well, yeah, that's, uh, hold on, here's the question. <laughs> hold on, hold on. I gotta ask. Here's the question: Are we talking surviving a financial a a uh, natural disaster, uh, an EMP. Which disaster are you talking about, or do you cover all the bases with it? That, that's exactly it. We cover yep. all, all the bases, everything you can think of. Let me uh, just read straight from the um, table of contents. Well, by the way, since this is Skywatchers, do you cover the alien invasion? Yes. Ooh, okay. Now you got my yes. head. Yes, we, we cover aggressive alien. Uh, we cover... Non-combatant alien invasion, we cover it all. Uh, gamma ray bursts, scientific disasters, um, starvation, uh, super robot, you know, computers taking over the world. Um, Terminator super stuff. Yeah, now, are these all individual chapters, or, yes. or, yep. or they're, they're all actual individual chapters in the uh, book? Yes. Yep. Very cool. And, very, and, very cool. And yeah, you got to get a copy of this book, like ASAP, man. You really do. Dude, you got to get it to me so I can read through it. Collapse, uh, uh, economical collapse, solar flares, um, invasions, terrorist attacks, uh, superstorms, asteroid impacts, yep. everything you could possibly peak oil, starvation, um, you know, er everything's in there. And, and if you look around the planet right now, almost every single country, even down to individual cities, people are experiencing in one way or another. You know, tornadoes, fires, you know, these, these wildfires out in California right now. Uh, you know, the threat of martial law going on. We had a tornado just hit in uh, North Dakota or something. Uh, this F2, uh, EF2 come down. Uh, tsunamis in, you know, every couple months. One's out in, the, out in the Pacific right now about to hit Mexico. You know, and then, and then we're talking about, look at this, uh, uh, this new virus that's hitting the Caribbean. Have you heard about that? I have. Yep. 
And then we have a polio outbreak in, mm-hmm. in the Middle East, measles and cholera in Europe. And then we still have the cholera outbreak in Haiti that I, you know, yeah. I've, I've been dealing with that for the last two years. So, I mean, I think a virus on. upgrades, look, a virus outbreak is going to probably be what wipes out most of the population, and that's going to be like the real big disaster. I think that's probably more probable than a, a comet hitting us or even aliens coming down and wiping out the population. You I know, you, you've been watching Planet of the Apes again, haven't you? Uh, no, actually, I've been watching the Cosmos uh, show with uh, Dr. Neil Tyson. Yeah, I'm only up to episode eight. Don't tell me what happens. Did Carl Sagan have that before? <laughs> Yes, yeah, yes. this is like a reboot yeah. of that. That was yeah. great, yeah. And it's a great show. Awesome yeah, this show. is very, very impressive, this new version. But they, they, they actually talk about that, and I agree 100%. I think that's going to be like the way that, you know, if there is some kind of a global disaster, that will be one way. But, you know, you do talk about all kinds of different disasters on the book. Uh, let's get right to the aliens. You know, let's talk about if we do get invaded by hostile aliens, how could one possibly survive uh, such an event. Uh, well, we, we got different um, situations, different circumstances, different methods of belief or lines of belief. Are they hostile? Are right. they coming here just to destroy us and wipe us out because we're in the middle of their super highway, super universal highway? Are they, um, you know, just curious? Are they? Gee, that plot line sounds familiar. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's original. I made that up. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna go hitchhiking in the galaxy. Yeah. <laughs> are they uh are they, you know, are they peaceful? Are they, you know, are they here to mine our planet? And um when when we look back in history on our own planet, uh we see people like the technologically superior Spanish when they came to the new world and conquered the Mayans uh yeah. with very little resistance. Um and the far more advanced English came to New England and they decimated pretty much the American natives. Uh, you know, beyond comprehension. Um, then we have the Africans yeah. and the Hawaiians, the Australian Aborigines, the list goes on and on and on. Um, so yeah, if we so the aliens, at, we're going to be food. Right, right. I mean, well, how to no serve chance. humans, yeah. How to serve men, yeah. Uh-huh. And we have no chance if they're, if they're here to wipe us out, you know. But um, if we look back at all the animal species on the planet, the, the humans are actually the only ones that kind of portray those traits and you know that that go and decimate other beings we decimate the the lion's habitat habitat we decimate the wolves habitat we decimate you know we we exterminate insects just because they're bothering us they're flying in our face so we wipe them out we concrete over their entire colony you know yes but but no other animal no other living being that we know of out of the Trillions and trillions and trillions of different life forms on this planet do that. So for us, well, wait to a minute. There are, there are other significant predators out there. Predators, yes, but not that wipe out entire species. No other animal on the planet has extincted, intentionally or unintentionally, other life forms. You know, even sharks and 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 dinosaurs, Tyrannosaurus rex, didn't extinct a whole a whole you know race, a whole a whole genetic. You know, uh, um, line. line a whole species. Yeah, line. well, here's the thing: the, the the pandas are about to go extinct, and it's like their own fault. I mean, uh, we've put them in cages together, and they just don't want to mate. It's like they're they're like determined to like go extinct. 
Well, with all the Chinese food they're eating, yeah, do you, what do you expect? Maybe, do you think that maybe they're taking the whole Chinese population control thing a little bit too serious in the, in the population? And that, that, no. You know, I, I think that's exactly what it is. I'm sure that's exactly <laughs> No, but I hear what you're saying. I think, you know, you're, you're onto something there, Dan. Um, it could be maybe a trait of intelligence that the smarter the species is, the more destructive to its surrounding because it feels dominant and it feels superior to the to the lower end of the species spectrum, I guess. I mean, if you think about it, the first species we eradicated was Homo erectus right, right. before us as well right. as Neanderthal man. That's exactly right. true. Yeah. Yeah. And I would, I would assume that also. I mean, that's just kind of the way it's pointed. But... You know, are we to, to assume that even more intelligent life hasn't gotten past that point to just eradicate everything that's past? I mean, we can't, that can't be sustainable, you know. Once we well, get to a certain intelligence level and we eradicate everything on the planet, how are we su- supposed to sustain ourselves, you know? Yeah, that's a good question, yeah. Uh, at, at that point, we're going to start eating, like, silicone. and Yeah. It'll be weird, man. There was a, there was uh, a, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. There's a study done at MIT that said uh, if we uh, if we eliminate a whole ant colony, for example, they can do this with bees or uh, worms or flies or anything. But if we uh, eradicate a whole ant colony, and an ant colony usually consists of like several square blocks of neighborhoods, yes. it's, it's almost oh, impossible yeah. to wipe one out. But I mean, we can wipe out different mounds, but a whole colony is like. You'd have to drop a pretty good bomb on it to wipe it out. But if we eradicate a whole ant colony, for example, eventually everything on our, on the planet would die mm-hmm. because everything is the food chain. Everything's reliant. The ants move the seeds, they plant the p- trees, and the the trees stop erosion and and feed the birds, and the birds feed this and that, and you know it goes on forever. Eventually, everything would die. But it, but if you if you uh, wiped out every single human on the planet, if you eradicate every person on the planet, not only would the planet go on without any problem at all, it wouldn't even hiccup, but it would actually get better. It would start yeah. healing itself from the damage yep. that we've caused. <laughs> you know? so that's that that, that, that reminds at. me of the Matrix, Dan. Uh, the human beings are like a disease. Oh, absolutely. We're an infestation. You know, we're, yes. we're a virus on this planet. Absolutely. So, so here I'm going to pose this question, Dan, to you. If we're such a virus um, and the planet can't handle us, that poses the question, are we actually truly native to the planet? That's, that's a great question. I mean, uh, you know, I, I think that the way I'm looking at it, you look at some of these animals like giraffes and stuff, they, if you look at their little antlers sticking up and their their spots and along, they look alien themselves. You know, I think mm-hmm. each one of these animals are are not, uh, you know, originally from this planet. I think we've all just been kind of brought here and put in a zoo. I mean, you look at some of so, these things, how different we are from each other. It's amazing. So maybe the metaphor is is that maybe uh, Noah's Ark was really a spaceship that like dropped it. all all of us off. I, I don't. I, I wasn't going in that direction, but that's definitely uh, you know. Point it's a possibility. That, that, well, you know. Yeah, but here, panspermia also would 
account for you know the the weirdness of the differences of this planet. Uh, you know, if, if a planet's being bombarded over a billion years with comets, is bringing DNA and all kinds of genetics to the planet, which is going to create life. Uh, you know, it's going to look weird because it's coming from all over the cosmos. You know, it's just going to be a zoo of different uh, g- genomes uh, being spliced together over billions of years. Uh, that would definitely create some weirdness on the planet. Uh, but uh, you know, there is uh, some study evidence uh, to, to to suggest that we've been bombarded even by stuff from Mars. So it's very possible that maybe a few billion years ago there was life on Mars and something happened that eradicated life there and whatever explosion took place that took half of the atmosphere ended up somewhere on Earth and we're kind of the byproduct of that. That's a possibility. I mean, it's anything is possible. You know. I, I read in a study the other day that they, they just found, they just kind of, they were, they were um, cataloging all the different bacterias and uh, they kind of put it all into one computive system or file and they finally counted them all up and and published the results and said that something like 13% or 18% or something of the bacteria known to, to humans is actually um, from Earth. You know, it actually originated from Earth. The other uh, 70, whatever, 3, 76% um, is not from this planet. You know, it's not originally from this planet. I mean, they've had bacteria come from, they found bacteria on other planets and asteroids all the time, but um, right. I guess they finally kind of computed it all and, and got the numbers now and said huge percentages, like over 80% is, is actually non-Earth-bearing, uh, non, uh, or Earth-originating Earth bacteria, which is, yeah. It's it sure thing. ain't local, in other words. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's funny going back to the uh, show Cosmos real quick. I was watching it the other day, and they actually uh, had a report on Mars when you were talking about this, uh, and it just it reminded me of this episode uh, where they actually talk about this rock or meteor that was found I don't know how many hundreds of years ago, and it's still somewhere in uh, laboratory. And when we went to Mars for the first time with the rover and started digging around and finding microbes, you know, little tiny uh, microbes in the rocks and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, when they discovered some of those microbes, they correlated that to the rock that had been around for, I guess, hundreds of years. And the microbes found on that rock actually matched what we found on Mars, indicating that, yeah, that that rock came directly from Mars and hit the Earth, uh, which is interesting in itself. We all might be Martians. Or or maybe men are from Mars and women are from Venus and giraffes are from... Uranus, <laughs> <laughs> which explains now, the real. We all next. knew that was coming, folks. And if you want to call in and comment on him cracking that joke, please call us and comment. You, you know, at one point that was going to come. come on. I left that one open for you. I, I know it was perfect. I had to take it. Oh wait, like, wait, did you just say you left Uranus open for him? <laughs> wow. <laughs> See, I left that one open for you. See how I did that? <laughs> yeah, that's man. That turned the show into a completely different. Uh, Topic. <laughs> which, uh, which, which this is Sky me? Watchers. This is not Ass Watchers Radio, by the way. Just saying. Which brings us back to 2012, I think, huh? <laughs> yeah. Man, the Mayans screwed the pooch on that one, huh? Nothing happened on 2012. Uh, but yet everybody was saying they were going to be uh, blown to smithereens. Let's, uh, let's, let's look at it. Um, this kind of happened with the Millennium, too. Remember when all the computers... Uh, we're supposed to shut down. and uh, Oh, how can I forget? I still have memories of uh, Alex Jones going on air screaming, Yeah, the computers are breaking down. The rockets are firing and we're all going to die. We're dying. Right, right. 
Well, Fifteen uh, years well, later, nothing admit, happened. Hold on, you got to admit there were some significant computer glitches at the time, though. That's why there that, were. I was about to no, say that nothing um, major, though. I, I didn't know anything about it. You know, I, I when the millennium come, I wasn't really into this kind of stuff. I was in the military. I wasn't. I was working on airplanes. I didn't. You know, but my wife, Lucia, she was a computer engineer for AT and T at the time, mm. and. What they did for about a year and a half to two years before the millennium was went back into all their computers and reset the the number slots from two to and made it four, which is what the problem was, is that it was only two slots. So as soon as it got to ninety nine, it would start back over zero, which would which would really uh start everything, wipe everything out and say, We have no memory of anything. All your accounts are gone, all your everything's deleted because in zero zero you had nothing. Right? right. So we're going back to zero zero. You had nothing. There is nothing, and that would have uh, wiped out all, a, a lot of computers unless people like her. I mean, there were thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands of engineers who had to go through and reprogram all these computers. If people right. like her didn't do that, we would have had a major problem. Yep. Now this is a little different. Twenty twelve came, went, uh, false alarm. You know, just like the millennium. Uh, I don't know. Let's let's look back. Let's let's take a year in review and kind of see what happened. Yeah. Well, here's, here's the thing about 2012, though. Uh, you know, not to cut you off, Dan, but the calendar itself is so kind of like screwed up. Though, I mean, yeah, it says 2012, but we don't even know really if that's the actual current right. year. Right, right. A guy named uh, I want to say his name sounds like Michelob, like the beer Michelob. Uh, uh, Michio Kaku. Michio Kaku. Maybe that's who it is. Uh, him and and a, and a guy from um, Greece. I believe it's uh, mathematician. Does he have does he have great crazy hair? No, not okay. Not, not uh, Tukalus. Yeah, uh, <laughs> it was, it, it, it's Mr. Papadopoulos. Ah. <laughs> no, uh, these two guys worked together, and they kind of took Roman um, historic events that uh, coincided with Mayan historic events, and okay. tried to overlap the Roman calendar with the Mayan calendar, and find out. Um, uh, an end date to the to the and actually the mind calendar wasn't really an end date. It was just since the mind calendar is a circular uh, calendar, it's just the start of the new um, calendar. The new, start, the new cycle, right? Yeah, right. And um, coincidentally enough, uh, each cycle has ended in some, or I should say, started in some major catastrophe. Like the first one was um, that supposedly, and this is by Mayan. Uh, you know his historical um, stories. That the first one ended in fire, I think. The second one was uh, flood, or, or uh, fire, first one was fire. The second one was water. The third one was air, which I guess is some kind of meteor impact, or maybe tornadoes or tsunamis. Air, or yeah, it could be a tornado, tsunami, something. Like uh, that. And this one was supposed to be um, earth, so maybe an earthquake or volcanoes or something. I'm not sure. Cool. So uh, we got earth, wind, and fire. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, so, their music would kill some people. I'm just saying. Continue. See now, if if you turned around and told me that the according to the calendar, when it was fire, uh, the Romans had Pompeii. When it was water, we had mm-hmm. Noah's flood. Um, when it was earth, we had Atlantis. If you could show me those timelines, I'd be like, okay, cool, you sold me. That, well, here's, that, but here's the thing: Noah's uh, flood is uh, a derivative of the uh, trials of Gilgamesh. I mean, that's where that came well, from. Well, not necessarily. So, obviously, the question is: is 
when does the story of the of Gilgamesh take place, as opposed to when does the story of Noah take place? Oh, Gilgamesh was way before Noah, way before. In fact, in the trials of Gilgamesh, it was another gentleman who actually had the flood and uh, built the ark and all that stuff. It wasn't Gilgamesh himself, but it was somebody he dealt with. Um, I forget the, the exact name of the, of the person, but it wasn't Noah at all. And uh, this was much, much, much before the stories of Noah. Noah definitely was a borrowed uh, story from the Gilgamesh trials or whatever. But um, we're talking about thousands of years ago, probably. Well, if yeah. you could show me the carbon dating to prove that they didn't coincide with each other, I'll I'll take that as an answer. Well, the, the, the the problem with that is that, that my calendar, each time it cycles, is like hundreds of thousands of years. Yeah. So there is no historical record. I mean, if it may possibly Noah's flood if it goes back that far, but um, you know, Pompeii and stuff, we're talking about the, the uh, written history, and it just wouldn't be. You know, there's just, it's just not way, no way to line it up like that. Well, yeah, these Mayan we records are it. even be, they're before even Noah's story. So I mean, yeah. And interesting enough, um, you know, I've read the the Christian King James Bible beginning and the Torah in Hebrew beginning again, the Bhagavad Gita, the Quran the Viking Scrolls, the Tibetan Tablets, the Book of Torah, and each one of them have the same stories. You know, they all right. have a flood with the animals the flood, on the yeah. boat. They all have yep. this guy that parted the Red Sea, and mm-hmm. they all have, you know, all the, all the stories are exactly the same. It's, ama- it's amazing. So maybe there is some kind of truth to these things, you know. They're just all kind of historic events. Well, you got to also remember, a lot of this uh, historic events, uh, especially floods, are told as mythology. Uh, some could be from an actual flood that took place, but it doesn't have to be like a global flood. Uh, there could be an exaggeration also. Maybe It could be a tsunami, to... you know. It could absolutely. be a hurricane, or it could be just something localized. The thing is, a lot of the old works and the old stories, especially the Bibles and, and stuff, were written by people that were writing about something that was happening around five miles circling around the radius where they lived in. I mean, there was, there was no knowledge of stuff that was happening, you That's know, a city away, or two miles away, or a million miles away. You know, they, they knew about what was going Going on right around them. If you look at the the stories, that's really what you're getting. Not only that, you're also getting a lot of stuff that is meant to be taken as rules and and laws. And in, and, in the, and that was the end of the world as they know it. You know, for them, that was the end of their world. Right. That's all they knew. They and, they had no knowledge about what was going on on another continent, for example. You know what I mean? So they wrote about their, hey, this is the, the global flood because they knew about their city. That's all they really had to compare. It's like if something happened globally here, uh, but it's happening in this planet and in a couple other planets in our in our solar system, we would know about it because it's happening here, but we might not figure out what's happening on other planets even though they're experiencing the same kind of thing. Right. Uh, you know, that might be something that we just have no clue on. Same and, exact and, scenario. And that, my book is exactly dedicated to that uh, scenario. Is you know, It might not necessarily be the end of the world, but it's right. the end of your world. You know, a, a tornado comes in and hits your town and wipes out your house. That's the end of your world. You yeah, know, yeah. You, your kid dies, your 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 cousin dies. You know, and and you lost your car, your home, your job, your you know, it, it, or you lost your job, your your home, and the economic collapse. Or you know, that's the end of your world. You might have not have died. The world might be fine, but you know, and that's what it is. How to survive any kind of crisis? You know, and that doesn't have to be some kind of meteor impact that, that wiped out the dinosaurs type of thing. Yeah. Okay, so what are the basics that someone's going to need to survive some of your theoretical apocalypses? Well, we got to find out which one we're 
dissecting first. I mean, it, that's exactly right. Each one. I mean, there's some similarities that kind of. Uh, uh, okay, what's what are the universal things? Obviously, food, shelter. Have a, have a lot of water and a lot of food and shelter. That's you know, you know, you know what I tell people. I, I do lectures and seminars on this all the time, uh, and I tell people a lot of people. You know, say what's the thing I need, and and the first survivalist is going to tell you water, food, shelter. You know, and everybody knows that. Okay, so I don't need to repeat it. But uh, what I suggest for people to do right now is one: turn off your air conditioning. Stop. You know, right now we get in an air-conditioned car, we drive to an air-conditioned work, we get out of the air-conditioned work, get in an air-conditioned car, go drive to an air-conditioned restaurant for lunch, drive back to work, go to an air-conditioned grocery store, go back to our air-conditioned house. We don't know how to survive without air conditioning. So, you know, and then when the, air con- when the power goes out, you know, like in the Northeast, we had that blackout, you know, a, a few years ago, uh, and right. people were dying from heat exhaustion. Yeah, that's not natural. People shouldn't be dying from heat exhaustion because they're try living. Try living in Miami, Florida, in the summer with no AC. Well, I, I live in Mexico. You know, in Puerto Vallarta, it's it, we don't have AC. It's 105 all year round. It's just you have to get climatized to it, and we don't do that. So turn off that's the AC. Uh, sleep without a, a blanket. Sleep without a bed. Sleep on the floor. Walk around without shoes. Because if something happens, you know globally that would wipe out these things, which is what happened during World War II. Nobody yeah. had shoes for, you know, 15 years or something after World War II uh, in Europe. You know, we can't walk without shoes. We couldn't do it. Our feet aren't built up that way. Indians walked without shoes all their whole life, you know. So that's that, just learn some simple traits. Learn how to weld, learn how to work electricity, learn woodworking, metalworking, concrete, plumbing, you know. We have everybody do this stuff for us. We have our mechanics fix our car. We have somebody mow our lawn. We, we have somebody butcher our food for us. You know, what happens if there's no more food in the grocery stores? How are you going to – you can't kill something and butcher it and, and know what cuts to make and what to eat and not to eat, you know. It, it, these are basic life-sustaining traits, and it, they're free to learn. You can go to any community college and learn to any of these. MIT is publishing all of their curriculum online for free now. I mean, why aren't people taking advantage of these things? Well, here's, here's the thing, though, Dan. If uh, Let's say there is some kind of a catastrophe that wipes out a large part of the population, something that's really you know, disastrous uh, and almost on a global scale. Uh, what are the chances there is going to be much survival, especially when you think about it, with let's say 30% of the population survives and the rest of the, of the planet is uh, either dead or dying or just in, in disaster mode. Uh, what are the chances there, there is really going to be that much survival? Because a lot of the food's going to be wiped away. Uh, livestock is going to be wiped away. Animals are going to be wiped away. And whatever little resources are left, I mean, it's only going to last a certain period of time. Even if people take these measures, it's still only going to last for a certain period. So, I mean, how is survivability even possible? Like, let's say if, it, if a comet does strike the earth or if a disease does break out that infects humans and animals and you know we lose livestock because we can't eat the animals because they're going to make the people that are not sick sick so i mean what if something like that happens you know what do we do it's funny that you mentioned 30 percent and uh you know wiping out and global you know or majority of the global and that's exactly what happened with the 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 black plague right yep uh, and we talked about you know the virus, and you were saying that the the most likely cause of something would be a virus, and uh, that's right. exactly what happened. And it, it was down to I think it, I think it wiped out two thirds of the population, or seventy five percent, something like that, at the time. 
Um, and now with international transportation, international airports, and international hubs, oh, uh, man, yeah. you know, they would just be, it would, you know, come quick. And we have new, Instantly. Yeah. We have new viruses like we just talked about. They're going through Europe right now. They're all over the Caribbean. We have stuff popping up all the time. We had swine flu. We had uh, M1H1, um, bird flu, everything. So, yeah, I mean, something like that could happen. Um, the the thing about it wiping out um, animal life and human life is that it, it would you, typically it would either wipe out one or the other. When it when it jumps the uh, species chain, when it jumps to, from animal to human, um, it, it's usually done with the animals and starts working on the humans at that point. But there will always be it, it, let's say we'll throw your number back out there. Seventy percent is wiped out of animals and humans. Great, seventy percent of humans are wiped out. There's 30% left, 30% humans. We still have the same food-to-human ratio. You see what I'm saying? Right, but that's going to last how long? I mean, it, it would last the same as it lasts now because the ratio is still the same. But it eventually is going to dwindle out, and if it's a disaster that we cannot overcome that. Like, let's say a comet hits the Earth. It takes a very long time for the Earth to heal itself and to be habitable all over the place if, you know, if there is pockets where life could still survive. Yeah. Uh, we're not going to have the resources available to really sustain long life, uh, especially if, you know, let's say we have a city or a couple of cities left in the United States and that's it. And the rest of the United States is underwater or destroyed and most of the planet is destroyed. It, or, you know, it could be just a couple of cities in, in Canada or it could be a city in Europe or whatever it is left, that little pocket of life, how are they possibly going to survive when you know the rest of the planet's dying or in dire straits, and their resources, it's going to dwindle out eventually. I mean, there's only so much they could survive. Stock uh, up. It's only so I much mean, you can stock up, though. Well, I'm not talking about stock up enough to last your lifetime, but we stock up on seeds, we stock up on animals, uh, and we can, we can reproduce them at that point. You know, I, I, on our ranch here, we have goats, we have chickens, and we have... Uh, hydroponics, we have seeds, we have turkeys, we have ducks um, that are all, right now they have their habitat underground. You know, they're an underground kind of um, uh, Bunker? Yeah, but uh, basically, uh, just their living quarters are underground and not even for some kind of ash cloud that's going to uh, encompass the, the planet after an asteroid impact, but just more like for com uh, for climate control and security purposes from prey and whatnot. Right, it's just a right. better way to build their habitats underground. And if something happens, you shut the doors and there you got a bunker. You know, so if you could stock up in a in a sustainable way, I'm not talking about stock up 20 years worth of food, but stock up where you can keep reproducing it, um, then you're good to go for yourself. As far as a couple cities, you know, uh, good luck. You know, the government's <laughs> doing that though. They're building underground cities right now. Yeah, that, they are. Uh, are enormous to to, to um, sustain large populations of the government and <laughs> the military. That's what we yeah, need. Yeah, but they're going to the pick and choose who goes. Huh. Oh yeah, there's no civilians. You know. They they yeah. have uh, the COG plan, the continu con continuity continuity of government continuity of government. <laughs> and uh, but as as far as you can look, there's no um, COC plan, continuity of civilians plan. There, there's no such thing. It doesn't exist, you know. So they got the government uh, ready to go in, in case of emergency. But civilians, you're on your own. Good luck. Sorry, I'm yeah, I'm not. I, I, I'm not thrilled about that one. Yeah, no, that's. Uh, I don't think there's any uh, 
any good news is going to come out of, of a comet hitting the Earth. I don't think there's going to be much survivability. What do you think of like people that are building like actual bunkers and stuff underground uh, to try to survive? If, if there is a comet that hits the Earth, what good is that going to do you, really? You know what I'm scared of most is like a polar shift, like a, a planet. Yeah. And this has happened before, supposedly. Yep. Um, according to, you know, Hopi uh, historic um, stories and um, some of the Aborigine, Australian Aborigines, they said that the, the, the sun used to um, rise in the north and set in the south and Correct, rise yeah. in the west and set in the east, you know. So this, and, and when, if this happened, if, if, if the crust of the earth, which is basically a solid material that floats on a, on a liquid magma core, an ocean, I should say, if it slides around, uh, you know, we're talking um, indentations that would, that would collapse and fall you know, thousands, hundreds of thousands of feet instantly. We're talking about enormous, you know, entire cities free falling in a matter of minutes. That's unsurvivable. It doesn't that matter is, if you have yeah. a uh, underground bunker. You know, your bunker is going to be in a free fall also. You know, I unless you know, that will primarily happen only only around the fault line areas, unless new faults are created. Right. Well, here's the thing. I also saw a report not right. long ago that they're saying that a pole shift would not happen instantly. It would actually happen gradually over time to the point where we might not even notice that it's happening. And that, that's, Well, that's it is happening gradually. right now. That's yeah, that's It is saying. happening right now. Right now, yeah. uh, this year, um, the poles are uh, 80, 80 meters west of where they were last year. And yeah. it's speeding up. It's speeding yeah. up. It's going faster and faster each year. Absolutely. In three years, it'll be up in Russia instead of in uh, in Canada. It's kind of scary, isn't it, to think think that that's happening right under our feet? And, and uh, you know, all the airport, international airports, like Florida, Miami, Florida, uh, just had to move their runway like thirty feet over because now there's a new north, and all the planes aren't lining up right anymore. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, true. this stuff is happening. I mean, it's happening right now. Did 2012 come and go, and nothing happened? No, stuff happened all the time. I have a rundown. I'd like to go over if we have a second uh, yeah. of of everything that happened, and, and it's amazing. You know, we watched it. The thing is, we watched it every day on the news as it came and went, and it, it's no big deal. Things happen all the time. But when you right. put it into a list, if you if you document each thing and then look at it, it's it's it very strange. Up. Yeah, it's very kind of weird. Let's let's go through it. January first, the first of the year, twenty twelve. 17 billion aquatic and aerial animals literally fall from the sky and float up from the ocean dead. Okay? Right. I heard about that. uh, You remember that? All right. Experts cite fireworks and extreme cold snaps. Okay? Let's just assume that they're telling the truth. That's exactly what caused it. Let's be naive and let's just assume that's it. Um, The last time that I recall that something... uh, uh, you know, literally froze solid in mid-flight and, and, and died. That was when we, in school, back in school, I remember talking about the, uh, the mammoths eating flowers and froze solid during the last ice age. Yep. You know, so that should be a red flag right there. And if, if fireworks are causing billions of animals to, to die instantly, that's, you know, we're talking about more animals dying than all the nuclear devices that have ever been set off in the history yep. of humans. With fireworks, that's, that's got to be a great fireworks show, you know? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, no, 
Real quick, I'm going to tell something to the audience who's listening in, especially the Dark Matter radio audience uh, who loves Art Bell and loves his books and uh, has read the upcoming Global Superstorm by Art Bell and maybe saw the movie 2012. They actually touch on that flash freezing as a a possible uh, thing that really could happen and that what you're saying right there, the, the Willie Mammoth. With the, no, 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 man. You're talking, no, no, no. You're, talking about you're thinking the movie the day after tomorrow. Day after, I'm sorry, day after tomorrow, yes. 2012 was the polar shift that we were just talking about, where the, the, right. the crust actually shifted on its axis, and China, or I think it was China, became the same spot as where the United States was, where they only had to fly like 30-minute flight to China because it had right. moved. <laughs> Well, yeah, the day after tomorrow, the flash freezing is where I'm trying yeah. to get to anyway. Thank you yeah. for correcting me there, Alan. Uh, but, no, that that is a possibility that definitely could happen, and that has happened in the past. Uh, uh, that's clear at this point, I think. Let's, let's continue. February, two dozen countries rise up and overthrow their governments. Okay. March, 320 tornadoes touched down in a single day, broke all records in history. Also in March, Greece's, go- Greece's government defaults on its economy collapses. Okay. June, simultaneously, major volcanoes erupt in three opposite corners of the planet. Let's, let's just go through this. Uh, India's grid collapses uh, for two days, leaving 8% of the world's population, six, 600 million people without power. That's 12 times bigger than the one we were talking about earlier, the Northeast uh, blackout of 2002, 2003, something like that. Yep. Uh, I'm going to skip a couple months. Hurricane Sandy, October, um, the second... 100-year storm in 10 years. Remember that they used to call these 100-year storms? So we had two 100-year storms in 10-year period. That's interesting. Uh, October, later October, E. coli radiation sickness breaks out across Europe. We talked about this. Uh, Colombia, well, I was in Colombia at the time. We had an unknown epidemic that grounded all flights. We couldn't leave the airport. Uh, November, Syria turns off their internet. Can you imagine if, like, all the internet was just shut off? Don't ever say that again. Uh, well, it's Syria. <laughs> well, yeah. Now it's Syria, but at the time it was just a normal country. Now we understand it, but this was before the collapse, man. Uh, January 2013. Again, billions of aerial aquatic life fall dead from the skies, frozen solid, float up from the ocean. Here we go again, right? Let's skip ahead a little bit. Uh, April. Terrorists supposedly, again, um, bomb the Boston Marathon. Two bombs go up off at the finish line. Uh, Connecticut lawmakers pass a firearm registration bill turning hundreds of thousands of people into uh, American citizens, by the way. These are law-abiding citizens. Now they're felons overnight because they don't turn in their firearms. Right? Uh, April, California experiences the worst drought in 250 years. May, uh, the Edward Snowden documents get surfaced that, that uh, the, the CIA is spying on us through World of Warcraft and other social media sites. Um, J- July, the city of Detroit files bankruptcy. And, and this is like the 14th city in the United States that filed bankruptcy. You know, Let's go ahead. January uh, 2014, this frigid polar vortex, remember that? Uh, yep. Polarized, uh, paralyzed three-quarters of the country. Uh, temperatures fell 50 degrees in a matter of hours. That's just it's insane. Vietnam, which is pr- practically on the equator, had freezing temperatures. Venice, which you know the canals are famous for the romantic, can- their all their canals were frozen, right? And, and guess what happened also in January? What? Billions of aquatic and aerial animals died. 
you know, yeah. this guy. Yeah. I mean, it's just uh, it, nothing happened in 2012. Everything happened. Everything well, happened. He, a lot of that it could be a byproduct of a lot of other things. I mean, look, the political stuff, I don't really get into as much, you know, as being part of the whole 2012 phenomenon, but I get what you're saying with the the older natural disasters and stuff like that, uh, but how much of that could just be coincidence that it just happened on 2012? And how you know, much, how much of it is of... human-controlled, you know, with all these problems? A lot of it is. And, a lot and, of it is human-controlled. Look, the terrorist how activity, much is human all that's human-controlled. Human how, right. How much is human-controlled and how much of this is beyond the human control? I, I agree 100%. And I'm, I'm a sci- I was an engineer for Boeing. I'm a scientific-minded person. I'm not a religious, energy fanatic kind of person, okay? But when these religions, mm-hmm. uh, like the, uh, the uh, Muslims and the Jews and the Christians and the Hopi, which are famous for fighting with each other and arguing with each other and not agreeing on anything, I haven't heard of the Hopi fighting with the Jews. That's a new one to me, too. All their beliefs are are contradicting their other beliefs, and nobody agrees with each other. And that's been the the focal point of of religions for hundreds of thousands of years. That's true. Hell, that's been the focal point of war. Forever. Okay, when these people, these religious people, start agreeing with each other, and not just agreeing with each other, when they start agreeing with scientists and governments, and uh, prophecies and predictions, when they all kind of group together and start saying these things are going to happen and these things are happening, that's got to kind of be, you know, that's worth something open your eyes to and saying, maybe there is something going on here. Is it coincidence? I, I think so. I think it is coincidence. But when it didn't happen in 2010, 29, 2008, you know, 27, but it did happen in 2011, 2012, 2013, 2014, uh, you know, maybe there is something to it. Maybe, maybe. That's all I'm saying. Maybe there's something to it. Hold well, on, hold at, on. There's uh, been some uh, crazy uh, stuff in 2013 and 2014. Yeah, but here's the thing. Look at Sorry. 9-11. Look at 9-11 also. 9-11, uh, you know, the the number for the emergency contact. Uh, you know, when 9-11 happened, I mean, you, you don't think they picked that date in particular because of what the significance was. I mean, a lot of the stuff that is man done or, or done by uh, individuals or, or radical religions like radical Muslims or radical whoever are, you know, doing it with a certain agenda behind it. They're doing it on purpose on specific dates to hit trigger dates. So it's almost like they're trying to make prophecies come to life that Self- wouldn't happen normally. Self-fulfilled yeah, prophecies. Right, they're trying to fulfill self-fulfilled prophecies. Right. And that's kind of like what 9-11, I think, was, what a lot of these things are. And that's why everybody immediately was like, well, you know, Nostradamus spoke about uh, 9-11. Well, Nostradamus made a very vague prediction uh, of something would happen. Very vague prediction. And then some terrorists could have been like, you know what? No, no, some terrorists could have been like, you know what? Let's make this prediction come true. And that's what i got to disagree happened. with that. What I found interesting is... I found a book from the 1960s about Nostradamus' prophecies, and the insert in the cover actually had the, an airplane hitting the Twin Towers. He didn't even know what an airplane was. No, but I'm saying whoever was the artist Whoever was the artist that drew the? I don't think it was an airplane. I, I do remember. I do remember seeing the, some of the insert stuff on the prediction. It was there was like burning buildings or something like that. That that I saw, but I didn't remember seeing no, no, an airplane this, hit the. No, building. I remember seeing this as the Twin Towers. Mm-hmm. It was a Nostradamus prophecy book from either the fifties or the sixties, before the Twin Towers were even built. 
and um, or as they were proposed being planned. I don't remember the exact time of when the book was printed, but I found it very, very interesting that it actually showed planes hitting the Twin Towers. And, you know, whoever the artist was, obviously he interpreted what Nostradamus said and translated that to that image. That's exactly what I'm saying. If, if nothing else, this stuff is very interesting. I mean, it, there may be something to all this stuff. It, it's at least something to kind of keep your eyes open for and watch out for. You know, regardless, I think we're going to have some very interesting times ahead of us for sure. Yeah, and, and going back to this Nostradamus thing, I've never seen that. So I really can't confirm or deny it. Uh, if anybody knows out there what Alan is talking about, please call in and let us know. Or drop us an email at info at skywatchersradio.com, and we'll read it on the air next time we're live. Uh, I've never seen that, honestly. And I've seen a lot of stuff on 9-11 and Nostradamus, and I've seen one that is like a burning building, but it doesn't even look like two buildings. It looks like one big structure, and there's like fire coming out of it, and that was supposed to be a... This depiction of what they were trying to say was going to happen on 9-11, but uh, again, going back to the whole thing, it could be like we said, uh, prophecies that are being done by these people on purpose to kind of fulfill this prophecy that uh, was in a book, and a lot of that could be what happens every time we get an yeah. event that matches up to some kind of pr- prophetic uh, history or prophetic uh, book or prophetic uh, reading by a, a medium or a psychic or somebody like Nostradamus. Yeah, absolutely, Angel, but a self-fulfilled prophecy is still fulfilled. Oh, of course, yeah. It's still, you know, even if, let's say that you had this magical source like Merlin or somebody that could tell the future, or the Mayans, or Mother Shipton, Mm -hmm. or or Nostradamus, okay? And he sees this picture of the the Twin Towers burning and jets flying into it, okay? That's all he sees. I'm not saying this is correct and they can do this or not, but let's imagine they can for a minute, okay? That's all he's seeing is that the buildings are burning and and planes fell into it, and he's describing what happened. He's not saying that it was self-fulfilled based on my prophecy. He can't see all that, you know? He's He's not saying his cause is the effect. Right, well, here, but here's the thing, though. I could write in the book, oh, there's going to be a disaster sometime in the future, and it'll be on some date. And then about a thousand years could happen, and maybe something very close to what I wrote happens. Does that make me a psychic or a seer? No, it just means no. I'm an educated guesser. Right, but, and, and some, guess. of these, some of these prophecyers, uh, you know, are kind of too, um, too vague. vague and generic to, right. to really... And I kind of didn't put them in the book. But some of them, like... Um, Mother Shipton was good. Um, Some have a track record Edgar that's pretty Casey. accurate, and others don't. <laughs> right. Edgar Casey was good. Um, Nostradamus, I couldn't find that much. Uh, like you said, and, and I couldn't find too much on him that it's was really yeah. that was really I could nail down and become concrete. Um, yeah. Sumerians. The Sumerians were incredible. I mean, these guys were like geniuses. Uh, well, it depends. Are, are you going off of Zachariah Sitchin's interpretation of the Sumerians, or are you going off, like, reality? I'm not going off Zachariah Sitchin's. I was going okay. off Good. textbook, <laughs> you know. Uh, just, I mean, and, and they didn't prophesy that much, but the, some of the stuff I'm talking about, like, they had, uh, they had images, they had drawings of the far side of the moon. Right. And yeah, they couldn't did, see yeah. it at the time because, of course, the moon is locked in a tidal. Uh, a tidal lock with the planet. It always faces mm-hmm. one direction. How did they have, um, you know, it, 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 paintings of the backside of the moon? You know, some of this stuff is, 
uh, incredible. And they had uh, roads, you know, they had built roads, but no, they didn't have cars or carts, you know, and they had toys that looked like spaceships and stuff, you know, for kids. Yeah. So rocket ships and, and such. So it's, it's, the Sumerians were great. Um, well, here that, there's a misconception of that, and it's funny you you bring the the toys. I saw, I think I know what you're talking about. They, they even showed some of the stuff on Ancient Aliens a while back, uh, where it looks like little like rocket ships that look golden. Is that what you're talking about? The little gold rocket ships. I think those were the um, either the Mayans or the Aztecs that had those ones down in South America. Right, the, the Aztecs. Yeah, the and they did the simula flight simulation to see if it actually could fly and stuff. Right, and what those actually were, and this is probably the same thing with the Sumerians. I'm not 100% sure, but it could be. Uh, but what they actually were were not even flying ships. They were actually a representation of fishes. That's what they were trying to say with those little things that looked like flying ships. They were actually <laughs> depicting a fish. I heard. I, I yeah. Okay. Okay. I'm, I'm gonna. De- I'm gonna. I'm gonna say no on that one. I would say you do your homework. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Be- hold on. Real quick. Before you hold say on. no. Hold on. <laughs> before you say no. Do okay. your homework, and then next week give me an answer, and I will give you links that'll prove what I'm saying. This is historical fact. I'm, I'm not talking okay, about I, my. Hold on. Hold on. I'm, I'm not talking about. Hold on. I'm, hold on. I'm not talking about my uh, my opinion or my theory. Historical fact, and I will show you links. You can go research it yourself and prove it to yourself. Okay, it's a historical, yeah, historical fact. Like, this is only with... one or two professors, probably. My thing is, is if you can show me an upright sin in any genius or phylum, when of you fish, see some of the stuff that it. I show you, when I, when I, I send you, the, sin, I when you when you see the stuff I'll send you later, you're going to be next week. You're going to say, Angel, I'm a fool. You're 100 okay. percent right. Show me a fish that has three fins in the back. I will, I will show you later, but we're going to continue now with the rest of the class. <laughs> okay, this is not how to train your dragon. Show me a fish that I has will. that type of a tail. I will. It's just you have to watch a video, and you can't do it when we're live on air. So we're moving on, and next week we're going to come back, and you're going to say, Angel, I'm a fool. And you were right. Folks, if you want to call in and comment, obviously Angel doesn't want to discuss this now, so we're going to have to have this discussion that will be heated next week. Yes. Because you have to watch the, you have to watch the proof first. That's it. That, that'll prove it. But anyway, okay. moving on. Moving on. Moving on. Math. Moving on. <laughs> Jesus. The, 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 the Bible was actually a great book of predictions, too. So a lot of their stuff... Uh, if you go through the Bible and really, with an open mind, you know, no religious affiliation, no, um, and just kind of read the book and make your own kind of interpretations of things, a lot mm-hmm. of the things that they talk about in the Bible, like they were talking about um, men walking underwater and uh, living underwater, and we do that, you know, for the last uh, 50 years we've had submarines and... Um, and yep. then they describe like the stealth bombers and uh, astronaut, uh, you know, spa- uh, their their suits and um, and lots of things. But then again, you know, it could all be an interpretation of the reader. I read it with an open mind and no, you know, I don't have any kind of religious affiliation or anything, uh, and I can just interpret the way I want. But uh, it's it's very it's a great book to read if nothing else. It's it's a very interesting book. Oh, it's, uh, as I always uh, say, it's a great work of fiction. Fiction? It's 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 a great historic <laughs> book. It's it's almost all truth. Well, 
let's not get into that conversation because there's a lot of uh, lies, innuendos, and just made up stuff in the Bible, and just stuff that makes no sense. Like uh, I don't know, people live in 900 years. Well, really, uh, yeah. I mean, uh, it could be, uh, you know, math. Well, before the, before the last polar shift, we don't know how time was counted because of how. The uh, the speed of the planet spinning, maybe uh, right. I yeah, but they so, don't they don't talk uh, about the pole shifts uh, when you're talking about like Noah, for example, or Moses, or you know these people that lived a lot longer. Well, how Moses do we, how do like we know that? Hundred years old. How do we know the flood wasn't caused by a polar shift? We don't know if the flood was in more than a hurricane. How do we know people didn't live nine hundred years? You know, we can't how, prove anything. If it was if it was just a hurricane, how come? There's so many cultures that are so far apart from each other. Because they've all had hurricanes. They've all had hurricanes. They've all had different kind of tsunamis or different uh, kind of incidents that have caused them to write a story. And they've all written different stories. Look, man, you're talking about a time you're before right, the internet. You're right. They all different stories that seem near identical. Oh, my yeah, God. Yeah, that could, that, could that could very easily happen. If you have over a thousand years a flood here a flood there, a hurricane over here, a tsunami over here. Guess what the stories are going to come out? Uh, guess what they're going to be like? Well, there was a lot of water, and people drowned. And then somebody had a boat, and he put a lot of people in the boat, and we survived. <laughs> That's part of the story. It's going to happen in every single culture. We're talking about a, a shared experience by people, even though they're not in the same location. So, so it is a factual story, though. It could be a factual story told by many different people. It doesn't mean there was one guy named Noah and had an ark. Just oh, you know, probably, just probably was a guy named Noah and had an ark. It could very well be. The thing is, we don't know. The thing is, we don't know. And we don't know. And even before Noah, there were stories of a flood. Yeah, we don't that's know. the problem. Uh, this, that story goes back thousands of years. I mean, it's an old story. Again, we, we, the trials of Gilgamesh. Look him up. I mean, that stuff is in there. Uh, stick around, though, real quick, Dan. Hold on one second. Sure. We've got to take a quick commercial break. We're going to uh, be back in a couple minutes on the other side. With Dan Martin, we're still trying to get over this global crisis that, you know, we're trying to figure out how to survive. So, guys, stick around, keep listening, and maybe you'll get some tips on how to survive the upcoming global crisis that might kill us all or maybe 30% of the population, maybe 40% of the population, maybe just the people around Allen's neighborhood. Just... <laughs> Right there. Oh man! But either way, stick could, around. We'll be I, I right back. I could only be so lucky. I could only be so lucky. Yeah, it's a lot of bad people around that area. Just hit that area. We'll be back, everybody. I'm Dark Matter Radio. Now. It's a bird. It's a plane. No, it's SupermanHomePage.com, the number one Superman fan site in the world. SupermanHomePage.com, covering the world of Superman from the 1930s to today. News, reviews, rumors, and reports. SupermanHomePage.com, for all your Superman comics, TV shows, movies, cartoons, radio shows, and more. Everything you ever wanted to know about the Man of Steel and more. SupermanHomePage.com Roswell, UFOs, Flying Saucers, Alien Abduction 
Are we alone? Information regarding this and many other questions about the unknown are only a click away at www.theufostore.com. Theufostore.com offers hundreds of DVDs about UFOs, aliens, crop circles, conspiracies, Bigfoot, suppressed science, ancient mysteries. Log on to www.theufostore.com and request a free UFO store catalog. Theufostore.com, the largest selection of UFO products on the Internet. Put a team of professional consultants behind your home or business computer with key information solutions. Providing solutions to your internet and computing needs while keeping you on the cutting edge of technology. Preventative maintenance and networking support. Hardware and custom-built computers. Let key information solutions be your personal tech staff for your home or office with affordable hourly, monthly, or annual rates to fit anyone's budget. Call Key Information Solutions now. 954-973-3374 That's 954-973-3374 Or visit keyinformation.com Broadcast radio production Sound design, Sound design. Audio Talk shows Commercials Trailers, Trailers. Voiceovers Webcasting Engineering Music. Music Music Learn how for a lot less than $10 Send a text to 954-803-9717. That's 954-803-9717. Free stuff for you just for listening to this station. Yo, we got your attention? Here's how it works. You click on the radio loyalty banner right now and sign up. Then you keep on listening like you already do. But now you earn points. Those points add up, and you can trade them in for cool stuff in the radio loyalty store. Earn more points by sharing your station with friends on Facebook and Twitter, answering surveys, and by using the apps in the new player's app store. Pretty simple. Free stuff just for doing what you already do. Radio loyalty. Click the banner to join now. You're listening to PSN Radio. The best in talk radio anywhere on the internet. Every time I look All right, everybody, we're back live on Skywatchers Radio right here on the Dark Matter Radio Network for the last segment of the evening. So let's make it exciting, guys. And we're back with our guest, Dan Martin. Open lines the rest of the way again. If you guys want to call in, there's hundreds of people listening right now. Dan, I wish somebody would pick up the phone and said, and would ask a question like, how can I survive? I weigh 115 pounds, and I don't even have my license. I got pimples on my face, and I don't have a girlfriend, and I'm up late night listening to radio. How, what can I do? If you're that guy listening in, call in right now. We'd love to take your call in. Ask that to the guest, Dan Martin. You can do that by calling in at 786-245-8127. Again, you can find us on Skype by looking up at PSN Radio, uh, which, again, we are live. If you guys want to join the chat room, it's over at psn-radio.com. And that heavy breathing is not the guest. That's actually Alan, who's breathing like Darth Vader again. Stop it, Alan. Oh, sorry. I'm just practicing for my other job. What are you, having an orgasm live on radio? That's not cool, man. Well, I'm looking at these pictures. I'm just looking at those (laughs) pictures he sent me. That's all. Oh, that's yeah, those pictures got you all going. And the pictures he's talking about, it's actually uh, thanks to Zod Ryder who uh, sent over a link showing uh, weird paintings throughout history that depicted uh, disasters and uh, 9-11 type of things with, you know, the 
towers and whatnot. But here's the thing: even that what we brought up earlier with the whole Nostradamus thing, nine uh, eleven. You know, that's something that has been in the minds for a long time. In fact, in the nineties, uh, there was an attack on the World Trade Center. So it's not like that far fetched that people have been thinking about. Got to take down the World Trade Center. And again, if you're going to attack a country, you're going to go out for the the main infrastructure of its. Uh, of its economy, and the in the World Trade Center was the perfect spot to hit if you're going to, you know, attack the U.S. That was literally the the best target at the time. So the it made perfect sense. Stock market was actually housed in the World Trade Center at the time. Yeah, so it makes perfect sense. You're going right after the you know the the heart of the country where the money is uh, driven, you know, in and out. Uh, so I mean, that is literally the best target. So it doesn't shock me that people wrote uh, 40 years ago, or 20 years ago, or 15 years ago, or even tried in the 90s to attack the trade. Center. I mean, that's just uh, it, it kind of it's, it's like common sense. You know what I mean? I hear you. But anyway, uh, now I know that Alan had a question here uh, that we were talking about off air uh, a couple minutes ago. You want to ask your question there, Alan? Uh, well, yeah, a couple of different questions actually. As we're preparing for all sorts of different collapses, um, what should we use to barter with, or what should we use to store our our value, our wealth that we have accumulated, obviously besides seeds and livestock. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people say, you know, silver, uh, silver is good uh, because it's marked and we can kind of weigh it and, and uh, see how and much it's it, worth. And, we and it, helps po- it, it helps against we, it, werewolves in case that ever happens. For <laughs> that too, that too. Uh, and and uh, we've used silver for... Um, hundreds, thousands of years to to use as a monetary, um, and silver is great. Um, but you know it takes up a lot of room. It's real heavy. I prefer diamonds. Uh, they're light. They're small. They can use a lot. You know you can you buy a lot more with them, and you can still prove that they're diamonds. You know there's lots of tests to uh, to prove that they're diamonds. Um, I personally stock up on coffee, toilet paper, cigarettes. Uh, basically, anything that anybody is addicted to right now uh, is going to be worth a lot of money um, later. And and pay you no mind, you are addicted to toilet paper. You are, you know, <laughs> you hit it right on the head. That's the one thing. In fact, I would say that is the greatest single invention in mankind's history. The toilet, toilet paper. paper, absolutely. Well, yeah. you know, I mean, it's a good substitute for toilet paper, just in case. Uh, your hand? No, Cigarette. the yellow pages. Oh, no, the uh, yellow pages oh. in phone books. Yeah, I don't I know about that, man. Toilet paper. Yeah, I want to go with toilet. I'm going to stock up on toilet paper. I'm with well, you. Well, I'd like to stock up on it, but you know, doesn't mean you're always going to get it. it, it, it talking about toilet paper, it's amazing how addicted we we are to material possessions. If yeah. if I told you that I'm going to take away your air conditioning, your car, your your cell phone, your computer, your uh, oh, there'll be blood. Your house, your toilet, um, you know, you would actually start kind of unintentionally and uncontrollably a little bit panicking inside, you know. And if I actually did it, if I actually took those things away from you, you would, you would uh, experience withdrawal effects uh, of those things, which is, is the, the definition of addiction, you know. That's the, that's the complete definition. We are addicted to material possessions. Mm-hmm. 
You know, you're 100% right. During Hurricane Andrew, and I had a first-hand experience in that, uh, As you know, I lived through the uh, through the hurricane. As soon as the hurricane hit and everything was just destroyed, we were without power for a couple of weeks. It it was weird, man, because, you know, you get to the point where you're, you're just dying to watch TV. You're dying to be able to do something, and there's nothing that you could do. Or you can't watch anything. You know, there's no power. There's nothing. And you really start to miss... The luxuries that we have, and it, it really is like an addiction. It's almost like a heroin addict just needing mm-hmm. that fix, you know? I need mm-hmm. J- Judge Judy. I need <laughs> her in my life, you know? I, yeah. I need Geraldo Rivera. Not really, but, you know, back then it was kind of what it was on TV. Uh, Oprah. Need Oprah. You know, that you, you kind of get to that point where you really need the things that you're used to, but that's just mental conditioning. It really is, uh, which is funny because you don't have any of that. You don't have a TV. You, I, I you did. You did, but you don't have any more. You no, don't I have mean, a cell I had, phone. I had that addiction just like anybody else, you know. Yeah. We, we left very, very high-paying careers. Um, we sold all of our personal possessions. We uh, cashed in all our stocks, uh, sold all the toys, the jet skis. We had two waterfront homes in two different countries, um, all the vehicles, and uh, completely 100% left society. And I experienced withdrawal symptoms. That's how, that's how I understand. And you know, the things that we actually took with us, I had a Pioneer stereo system, surround sound, Bose speakers, all that kind of stuff, a couple computer, desktop computers um, that you know, I thought we would need. Uh, we actually burned those things. You know, huh. it, it's, it's one thing to give them away. That's great. That's terrible, noble, awesome. You know? But when you actually burn it, it's burning that bag of heroin, you know, or that bag of marijuana. It's like I'm I'm consciously making a conscious effort to break that dependency from it, and I'm doing it through fire, you know, to to visually and and uh, sensibly through senses um, stimulate uh, that that break. So I can, and it was hard, you know. We well, let me we ask you a question. We you, did fiend for a uh, cheeseburger for years. You know? <laughs> let me ask you though, Dan, when you were burning that computer, at any time that you think, wait a second, I got to write a book now. How the hell am I going to do that? Yeah, no, no, I didn't even <laughs> dream about writing a book till years later. But uh, and then you wrote, you have to buy another computer, and you're like, damn, I wish I wouldn't have burned that last computer. I could have used that one. <laughs> Yeah, no. I haven't I haven't owned a phone in uh, ten years. I don't own a TV, and I don't miss it. I mean, I, I, I see people like when the phone rings and they physically can't stop themselves from picking up the phone and looking to see who it is. Like if, yep. if I told them, like I'm in a consultation with somebody or something, and they their phone rings and they pick it up and look at it, and I says, uh, you know, you know what? Just don't look at it next time. Next time it rings, don't look at it. And, and they say, oh, yeah, sure. And, they, and it rings, and they look at it. I said, hey, I told you not to look at it. Oh, yeah, yeah, sure. I forgot. Okay, well, next time, don't look at it. It rings. They look at it. What are you doing? Oh, my God. I can't. Stop looking at it. It rings. They look at me. I look at them. Do not look at your phone. I have to. What if somebody needs me? What if it's emergency? You know, people have been, humans have been living th- hundreds of thousands of years without cell phones and having emergencies. You can, you know, people can be okay if they don't contact you. You know, but our mind can't contemplate those things. We have to look at it. 
And it's funny because it's only going to get worse, especially with the way technology mm-hmm. is going. We have that instant gratification yep. uh, by having a, a phone and, and being available at 24 hours a day for anybody who needs to call us or reach us. And it's going to get only worse and worse as technology gets better and better. Uh, eventually, you won't even need a phone. You'll be implanted with a chip in your brain, and you can just blink your eyes twice, and you'll be taking a phone call. It'll be on Google Glass or something like that right in front of you. And if, Google if, if implanted you glass. <laughs> if you don't believe me, take your phone. And turn it off, take the battery out, and put it away in a cold, dark, humid place. <laughs> and uh, just let it sit for a couple of days and experience the withdrawal symptoms that you feel uh, for those two days. Just, just do a little experiment for yourself and see what happens. I said I think- in a cold, dark, damp place because <laughs> uh, I, read a research, I read a study the other day that said your cell phone is the most um, deadliest... Uh, uh, item that you possess because it has more bacteria and germs in it than a than a public toilet does. Well, oh, hold on, hold on. How many? No, I I, I call bat squatch on that. Okay. And the reason I test me. The reason I Go say ahead. that is is how many people do you actually hand your phone off to to use to it catch their bacteria and germs? It doesn't, right. it doesn't matter. Your bacteria. Uh, grows and reproduces and changes into new forms of bacteria. Uh, it breeds itself in, in a nice, dark, humid place, and then it reinfects you. And you got to think about it. Think about this. You got a point there, a, Alan. A public toilet, right? It's bright. Supposedly, they clean it a few times a day. It's porcelain. It doesn't have any uh, pores or, 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 or surfaces that bacteria can get into. Um, you, you know, and uh, and we don't really touch it. You know, we try not to touch it, so it's not. <laughs> well, well, now when you're sitting down, you kind of have to touch it. But but your cell phone is this thing that you keep in the, your pocket all the time. You put up to your mouth, and how often do you actually wash your cell phone? Yeah, and you know what the next th- worst thing is money. How yes. how often do you wash your money? I've never washed money before. <laughs> You touch your well, money, you touch your mouth, you touch your eyes, you know. Yeah, yeah, Damn. that's called laundering your money. That's not Yeah, cool. <laughs> I was going to make that joke and you beat me to it. Damn you. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know, it's funny because they, they've uh, done tests on, like, $100 bills, and they've seen, like, what is actually on $100 bills. And, you know, uh, I think it was, like, one of the tests revealed, like, 25% cocaine. Uh, found in hundred dollar bills. I heard uh, all that. kinds. Yeah, all kinds of germs are found in hundred dollar bills. Uh, the cocaine makes sense. I mean, if you're if you're balling and you're doing a lot of cocaine, you're not going to do it on a dollar bill. You're right. going to do it on a hundred dollar bill. So of that's, course, that's you're going to find it. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I'm going to go all out and I'm going to use some coke. Yeah, you know, hundred dollar <laughs> bills, baby. But uh, it, it's funny. It, we deal with money like like it's nothing, and then we eat something, and you know, it's like it's nonchalant. But yeah, we're passing germs around all the time, which again goes back to our, my earlier statement that that's the way they would wipe us out, man. It'll be through germs. Sure. And yeah, you're right. Yeah. I think you're. I think you're right on. Let me tell you a little story about what happened to me when we left, when we left society. Um, you know, I, before I left society, I was working for Boeing. Um, San Antonio. Went to work every day, just like everybody else. Uh, commuted to work. Got sick a couple of times a year. Got the flu, just like everybody else. Nothing big, nothing. And pretty average. I leave society. I have zero contact with human beings for a little over six years, almost seven years. Zero contact. Don't see one other human being. Nobody comes on my ranch. I don't leave my ranch one time. I got sick in a, in a six and a half year period. I got sick zero times, zero times in six years. 
There's no bacteria out there. There's no virus. There's no germs that I'm touching, right? I come back to society, just, you know, write a book, start doing lectures, seminars, workshops, projects, interviews, and I'm getting sick like every week, major sick, like intensive care kind of sick. <laughs> they got me on HIV uh, immune system boosters because wow. my metabolism has dropped so low. I mean, my metabolism, my immune system and antibodies have dropped so low that nothing can, I can't fight anything off, you know. You're, you are bombarded by germs and stuff every day, so your antibodies are building up this huge army and, and defeating these guys every day. Mine weren't getting any kind of uh, resistance, so they just said, you know what, go on vacation. You guys can dwindle down your numbers. We're going to shut down some, some uh, military bases here, and uh, we don't need this armed forces anymore. And, and so it's like a catch-22. It's like you leave society, you'll never get sick again in your life. But if you ever, ever come back in, you're probably going to die. You know, so what do you do, you know? That's interesting. Sounds like you belong to a tribe in the middle of the Amazon. That's that's what I gotta do. Yeah. What do you do? I'm Isolate I'm a little bit better now. I'm, I, I'm trying to you know when I go on an airplane or in I'm in public or I'm doing a book signing or something. I I try to wear a. Um, you are know, you a germaholic at all? Like I mean, are you a, you know one of these people that has to like wipe down uh, stuff before he touches like canvases or anything like that? No. Oh, like Howie Mandel. Yeah, like him. Yeah. No, oh, he's no. really bad at it too. I'm, I, I wear a N95 mask when I'm on an airplane or I'm in line <laughs> or something, just because my immune system's so low, um, and I hate getting sick. I hate being, you know. And I, when I get sick, I get like bronchitis and pneumonia within like five days. I mean, I'm, you know, they got me in the emergency room in, in within a week. So you know, when you do that a few times, you're gonna wear a, you know a, a mask when you're yeah. around people. Uh, but on the other hand. It, I need to experience those germs. I need to get sick so that I can build up my immune system again. Correct, yeah. So, you know, it's just it's a catch-22. Which, again, this, let's go back to technology real quick. Technology, since it's taking people away from going outside, and like kids, for example, it's taking them away from going outside and playing and getting dirty yeah. and doing what kids do when they're kids. Yeah. Uh, now all the kids are inside on the Internet, for example, yeah. just playing on their computer, not experiencing life and experiencing these germs that are really uh, both a good and a negative. It's good because, like you said, it helps you build your immunity. It helps you live longer because your body reacts to any germs that comes along and it knows how to fight it. Uh, so, in a, in a sense, we're actually hurting ourselves by getting so technologically advanced and think that we're so superior when in reality we, we really are hurting our own species uh, by spending this much time behind a computer or sitting on a couch watching television. Yeah, and, and it goes back to what you were saying about, uh, or what we were talking about, about you know what to do to prepare yourself, and what you were saying about viral. You know, yep. when our kids, are, when we were kids, our mother said, "Don't eat dirt. Don't eat, eat dirt. Eat as much yes, dirt as you can. <laughs> Lick your hundred dollar bills and door handles. And get as many germs as you can in your system, so you can build up something by the time there's some." You know, uh, some other virus that's gonna that's gonna hit you, and your immune system is enough to strong to strong enough to battle it. You know, it's funny. I used to remember when I was a kid, I used to go out and play every day with my friends, and just go out and wrestle around, and you know, run around and get into all kind of trouble and stuff. And you know, seeing my nephews grow up, for example, the last like ten years, it's like night and day, man. I'm, I, I'm 
weirded out by the way kids are raised nowadays. It's just uh, we're, we're really losing that whole uh, mentality of you know letting the kids go out and experience life and, and just uh, enjoying you know being a kid. And uh, it's it's really really just a, a bad idea to let your kids just sit there in front of a computer or playing video games and, all day. It's just horrible. And and it's and it's it's it just dumbs down this generation. It does. Yeah, it, it really does. It, it makes them ignorant of of information. It makes them yep. you know you think all this technology itself. Actually, Einstein, I think it was, yeah, Einstein made a prediction one time. He said, "Let me try to quote exactly what he said." He said. Um, I fear the day that uh, I fear the day that technology will surpass human interaction. The world will have a generation of of idiots. Yeah, exactly. I, Einstein predicted that. I fear yes. the day that technology will surpass human interaction. The world will have a generation of idiots, and that's exactly what's happening. <laughs> well, let's hear about Common Core. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. Ah oh, man, Einstein is uh, always being proven right, no matter yeah. what the uh, comment or the theory. I mean, if, man, that man was smart. Can you imagine if Einstein would have been born today, though? Can or you imagine born in, like, in the last ten, fifteen years, what he would see and what he was doing? And... Oh, it's amazing. You know, they did take his brain, and supposedly uh, his brain is uh, used for research and stuff. If there's anybody they should ever clone, that's the guy, right? I mean, can you imagine if we had a few more Einsteins walking around right now? Oh my goodness, this world would be a whole better of a place. Uh, we don't, you know, do you I'd of... rather ha- I, no offense, guys, but I'd rather have a Tesla running around. Ah, I'm with you. Ah, yeah, no, That's Tesla fine. would be another one. You could, you could uh, definitely uh, clone, and you know, I just hope that he's as smart as uh, the original Tesla was. Very underrated scientist, genius who, man. Who was it that uh, uh, that that um, bought all his? His uh, patents and wasn't it General Electric, GE, or JCB? No, uh, I don't think it was GE. I think it was uh, it was a, a um, investment firm, JCP here. What JC Penney's? No, no, <laughs> no. No, I think GE did have something to do with Tesla, though. I know they they screwed him over at some point and. I don't he stole, a, stole a lot of money from the man. He died broke, which is amazing, considering like he gave us everything. If it wasn't for Tesla, we would not have lights. We would not have, you know, this radio show. We wouldn't have most of the. We wouldn't have electricity the way we have it. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that is because you know Tesla helped create, and uh, again, died almost penniless, which is just uh, an incredibly sad thing. I want to say J.P. Morgan. I'm I'm like ninety percent sure it was J.P. Morgan that bought all his stuff and and squashed it. Could be really. It could have been. Yeah, could yeah have been. I'm 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 gonna go with J.P. Morgan. I think that's who it was. I'd still say the General Electric did something to him. I remember reading something about GE and Tesla back in back in the day. But anyway, uh, Dan, we're actually almost out of time. We only have a couple more minutes uh, of, of left on the show here. Uh, I do want to give you a chance to uh, promote your website if you have uh, stuff that you, that you want to promote. I know the book has been out for a couple of years, but uh, again, everybody can find it on, on Amazon. And uh, What's right. the website? They, they could go and look up uh, all your work. And Do you have another book in the works, by the way? You know, we have a second edition that's actually coming out Cool. In June, this next nice. month it'll be out. I just signed a brand new contract with a brand new uh, publishing company. The the new book will be out in June. Um, the books they can they can get the Apocalypse: How to Survive a Global Crisis right now in Amazon or any bookstore, Barnes and Noble, whatnot. 
I think the lowest price is on the publisher's website, which is apocalypsethebook.com. That's apocalypsethebook.com. Uh, but, you know, those cha- the prices change all the time. I think that's a, the cheapest price right now. Um, also, they can go to my site, which is DIYsufficient.com, like do-it-yourself, DIYsufficient.com. And um, I try to, uh, they try to have it pretty cheap down there, too. And, you know, I have, a, I have 40 other guys, tons of guides there for a few dollars each that are, you know, how to make hydroponics, how to make hydrogen, ethanol, biodiesel, how to work with papercrete, cob, adobe, um, how to build a compost toilet, how to build a rocket stove. Uh, you know, anything you can imagine is there that has to do with self-sufficiency. So go there, check it out. It's, it's nothing. It's just, you know, a couple bucks to support the website. And um, if you have any uh, questions, find me on Facebook, danmartinauthor.com, or, uh, facebook.com, and uh, message me in the website. And um, I'm always trying to uh, reply to everybody that contacts me and give them uh, help. If you don't buy my book, that's perfectly okay. I have no problem with that. But get somebody's book. You know, buy some book, take some kind of class, learn something. Uh, and, and, you know, we don't need another generation of idiots. We don't need to to fulfill Einstein's self-fulfilling prophecy. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. And we're heading in that direction. I mean, do you really think, uh, you know, in your heart of hearts, you think that this is one of the most important things that people really need to, like, do for themselves, uh, yeah. prepare for what might be coming down the pipeline? I think it's just another insurance policy. You know, you have an insurance yeah. on your car, your house, your boat, you have life insurance. You probably have insurance on your motorcycle, your your dog, your cell phone, you know. It's just another insurance policy to keep you, your family, your wife, your kids safe if anything does happen. That's it. You know, if something happens, those insurance companies aren't going to be around anymore. And it's, you're going to have to rely on yourself, which you should be doing anyway. You shouldn't be relying on the government and HEB and Walmart to provide for you and your family. You know, that's not natural. We should be providing for our family ourselves. So I'm not trying to scare anybody. I'm just saying it doesn't hurt to learn something. It doesn't hurt to provide for your family a little bit. Just take a step. That's yeah, it. it's reality. Yeah, now, you know, and here's a crazy uh, thing, Dan. Uh, every great society eventually comes to an end for whatever reason. Uh, you know, it could be a natural disaster. It could be their economics. It could be, uh, you know, some societies were overly sexual, and you know that caused the the downing of their society. I mean, it could be a number of things. But if it is some kind of a disaster, it definitely would help to uh, to be ready for it. And we've been around for a few hundred years now in this in this country, so. Uh, who knows how much longer we have? So it, it is uh, to your benefit, you people listening out there, to be ready in case something does happen. So yeah, check out the book, uh, Dan. It's it's been awesome having you on. When you have the next book come out, please send us a you know a copy PDF, the hardcover, whatever you can, so we can check it out and have you back on real soon. Hopefully not two years from now. We want to have you on again this year. I've, I've cool. been busy. What can I say? I actually have something coming up in the works. Um, I can't say too much about it right now, but. Uh, if everything goes as planned, um, you'll be cool. seeing it. So um, awesome. we'll definitely get back together a lot quicker than two years, for sure. Awesome. you have any conventions uh, coming up in the very near future or anything you want to plug real quick? Uh, no. Uh, I'll be doing a book signing in L.A., but that will be out. You know, It will be all over the place when I do it. So, um, uh, And I, it's not even formal yet what we're doing. So. Oh, okay, uh, cool. Well, 
There you go. Dan, thank you for being on uh, Skywatchers, man. We're, Thanks. Uh, yeah, just, it, was uh, great, it was great talking with you. Absolutely. Just for any amount of time. But uh, we'll definitely uh, be in contact uh, before the book comes out. Again, it comes out in June, right? Right. I believe it's coming out next month. This summer for sure it'll be out. So keep awesome, your eyes awesome. up. Please keep your eyes up for eyes open for that, everybody. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna wrap up. We are pretty much out of time here in about a minute. So uh, let's uh, say goodbye to the crowd. Alan, say goodbye to the audience. Bye, audience. See, that's the best I can get for free. You know, if now you got to pay people and to be better than that. <laughs> and an anyway, applause and everything. Yeah, exactly. Uh, guys, we'll be back next week with more Skywatchers Radio right here on Dark Matter Radio Network and on PSN Radio. For my guest, Dan Martin, for my co-host, Alan Weiler, and for the chief, Keith Rowland. I want to thank you all for being here tonight, listening in, and keep your eyes to the skies. We'll be back next week live again on both networks, PSN Radio, Dark Matter Radio Network. Until then, good night, everybody. Peace, and stay safe. Stay alive. That's the most important thing. Get the book. Learn how to survive. And we're out.